Lord Peter Whimsey. Starring Ian Carmichael as Lord Peter and Peter Jones as Bunter, with James Villiers as the Duke of Denver. Clouds of Witness by Dorothy L. Sayers, adapted in eight episodes by Peter Jones and Tanya Leaven. Episode 8, The Speech for the Defence. Lord Peter Winsey's brother, the Duke of Denver, is being tried in the House of Lords for the murder of Dennis Cathcart. Lord Peter, convinced of his brother's innocence, now thinks he can prove it, and with time running out, has rushed over to New York to continue his investigations. I'm here to see Mademoiselle Simone von der Rauch. Mademoiselle is resting. You have an appointment? No, but it is a matter of the utmost urgency. I am afraid you cannot see her. She never sees anyone without an appointment. I think she will make an exception in my case. Just hand her this card, would you, and say I am a friend of Mr. Cathcart's. Monsieur Cathcart? I don't think she will be there. Look, madam, I am tired, I'm in a hurry, and I mean to see her. You are English, no? I am English, yes. In that case, perhaps... Come in and wait here. Thank you. Mais c'est formidable. Un vrai lord. An English lord. Oh, English, yes. A lord, possibly. Il dit que c'est très important et qu'il est un ami du capitaine Cathcart. Mais laisse-le entrer. Ah. And turn the radio off. Non, non, non. Oui. I'll do it. Dépêche-toi. Lord Peter Winsey. Enchanté. Mademoiselle, I'm sorry to be a nuisance, but I have scoured two continents in search of you. Mais non, do not apologize. I'm pleased to help a friend of poor Denis. Yes, well, I'm not exactly a friend. But my maid, Adele, said... Yes, well, that was a kind of shorthand. Actually, I am investigating his death. My brother, the Duke of Denver, is on trial for the murder of Denis Cathcart. Yes, mon pauvre ami, I read about it in the New York papers. They make so much of the scandal. I prefer not to read about such things so ugly. But you will help me. If you are quick. I am expecting Monsieur Van Amperdink any minute. And if he finds you here, <laughs> you understand... Seems incredible to me that someone with your sophistication, your style, your... Well, dare I say it, your beauty should ever dine or dance with a person called Van Humperdinck. Monsieur Van Humperdinck does not dance. Did you come to New York to say that to me? No, I'm sorry. That is none of my business. Monsieur Van Humperdinck is very rich. I'm a person who needs expensive things. It's not that I'm extravagant, you understand. It's just that some people need these things and some do not. I do. And Monsieur Humperdinck is not only rich, but also kind. He would not be happy if he heard about some of the things in my past. Much of it was pleasant, and much of it is best forgotten. I must think of my old age. And I must think of my brother's. Otherwise, he may not have one. Did Dennis Cathcart write to you? Oh, so many times, Le Paul. But once in particular, the last letter he wrote. Mademoiselle, I implore you to try to remember what was in it. But I did not read it. It was so very long, very tedious, full of histoire. It was all finished. I never bother about what cannot be helped. Do you? But that letter, mademoiselle, could save my brother's life. It is why I came here from London. Without it, he may be hanged. Oh, my poor Lord Whimsy. Perhaps all is not yet lost. 
It is possible that the letter is somewhere about. Let me look in the desk. I sometimes put things in here. Oh, how untidy everything is. I am at dull despair. What is this? Oh, no, it is not here. Oh, look at all these handbags. Perhaps it is in one of them. Have you no other evidence to help your brother? Not really. No. The letter is not here. I'm so sorry, Lord Wimsey. That letter would have been extremely valuable to the defense. Valuable? Reminds me. I wonder if Adele might have put it in my jewel case. If she thought it could be valuable, we will look. Now, let us see. No, no letters here. What's that under the tiara? Why, yes, here it is. How clever of you to notice. Thank God. May I look? But of course. Riddlesdale Lodge, Stapley, Yorkshire, 13 October 1923. Yes, this is the one. Simone, je viens de recevoir ta lettre. Mon Dieu, it is Van Amperdink. You must go. But I assure you, mademoiselle, my intentions are honorable. Monsieur Van Amperdink will not understand. He will be very angry. Please, my Lord Wimsey, sleep out the back way. Look, I need your signature on this letter, quickly. Uh, here you are. Here's my fountain pen. Oh, all right. Now, go along the corridor and through the glass door. That's right. You will be then on the far escape and can walk down. Fifteen flights? Please, hurry, or he will see you. Very well. And thank you, mademoiselle, for everything. Au revoir, my lord. Au plaisir. Hello, my big bear. Your little Simon has been so lonely waiting for you. That's it, Whimsy. We're on our way. Looks to be rather a dirty night. Oh, we'll soon be through this and way over the clouds. Thank God we've got a following wind. Does that help? It helps the gasoline situation. Here, put on these goggles and button down your ear flaps. And uh, hold tight. England, here we come. Hello? Is that you, Mr. Marbles? Why, if it isn't Lady Mary. Yes, Mr. Marbles, I want you to come round to Peter's flat as soon as you can. Oh, but my dear lady, I've only just got back from the Lord. I know, but Mrs. Grimethorpe is here. Uh, who? Mrs. Grimethorpe. She wants to give evidence. Ah. Yes, I'll come at once. Thank you. And I'll telephone Sir Impey. We'll, we'll try to meet at the flat in half an hour. You see, my lady, ever since Lord Peter spoke to me, I, I felt I couldn't keep silence. It's better my husband should kill me, rather than they should hang the Duke for a thing he never did. You're very brave, Mrs. Grimethorpe. <sighs> I waited until my husband got drunk in the Lord and Glory public house, and then I, I dressed Lucy. Who's Lucy? My little girl. I left her with relatives of Mr. Watchett's, where my husband can't get at her. I harnessed the horse, and we drove into Stapley and took the train down here. I'm ashamed, of course, of what I did, but I was that lonely, and and the Duke was kind, and I... I was desperate and miserable, that's the truth, and I hope his lady won't be hard on him when she knows it all. Sir Impey Biggs and Mr. Murbles, my lady. Ah, oh, Lady Mary. Oh, it is good of you to come. 
Uh, this is Mrs. Grimethorpe. Do you do? Will you have some tea? Uh, no, thank you. But I'd like Bunter to pour me a brandy and soda. Of course. Bunter? Mr. Marbles. Uh, thank you. Nothing for me. Tea for Mrs. Grimethorpe and a very small sandwich. Thank you, Mr. Bunter. Hope it's to your liking, Mrs. Grimethorpe. Oh, I... I never knew I'd meet with such kindness. Mrs. Grimethorpe has told me she had a rendezvous with Gerald on the night of October the 13th. He stayed for several hours and then walked back. I think it provides the perfect alibi. I feel inclined, Sir Impey, in spite of the risk, to put this evidence in. I am ready to take the risk. We appreciate that. But it's the risk to our client we have to consider first of all. Risk? But surely this clears him. Uh, Mrs. Grimethorpe, will you swear to the time when His Grace the Duke of Denver arrived at Grider's Hole? It was a quarter past twelve by the kitchen clock. It was a very good clock. And he left you at... Uh, about five minutes past two. It would take a man an hour walking quickly to get back to the lodge from Grider's Hole. Now, you mustn't let the other counsel upset you on these points. They will try to prove that the Duke had time to kill Cathcart either before he started or after he returned. And by admitting that the Duke had something in his life that he wanted kept a secret, we shall be supplying the prosecution with the very thing they lack, a motive for murdering anyone who might have found him out. May I ask, madam, has any person any suspicion? My husband guessed, but he couldn't prove it. That very night, he hoped to catch us and do murder, but he drank too much before he started from Stapley and spent the night in a ditch. Or it might be Gerald's death you'd be inquiring into, and mine, as well as the other man's. Why isn't Inspector Parker here? Oh, this is not a police matter, Lady Mary. Well, Sir Impey. The best thing we can do is to put in the evidence and to arrange for some kind of protection for Mrs. Grimethorpe. Oh, in the meantime... She's coming round with me to Mother. Bunter, call a taxi. Uh, very good, my lady. But, my dear lady, it would be very unsuitable in the circumstances. Your mother said so. I hope you two gentlemen will inform Joe. Come in, come in, Merble. Well, how did the Duke react? As I thought. He said it's damn good of her and all that, but I'm not going to say anything about it. Makes me feel no end of a beast, he says. Splendid. Leave it at that. He'll go into the box and behave like a perfect gentleman. they like that. It might solve our immediate problem, but it doesn't solve the problem of the husband. Grind pork, you mean. Sounds an ugly customer. He has right on his side. Could be dangerous for the Duke, too. Sorry, Merbles, but it's too late. I have altered my speech, and I have no intention of altering it again. Mrs. Grimethorpe is going to give her evidence, and when Gerald is a free man, then we'll take steps to see that he comes to no harm from the husband. So Mrs. Grimethorpe will be telling her story first thing tomorrow morning. After Madame Brigitte of Bond Street. <sighs> Gerald won't like it. He won't like it at all. Now, Madame Brigitte, you have a beauty salon in Bond Street? Yes. Was Dennis Cathcart a client? He was an old and valued client. Would you say he was a vain man? He was particular about his appearance. But you are not prepared to say he was vain. If you call being particular about one's appearance vanity, then yes, he was vain. Thank you, madame. You... No questions, my lord. My lord, so strong is our case that we have not thought it necessary to present an alibi. What's happening, Benson? Wait a minute. An officer's just handed Sir Impey a message. Yes. I think we are about to witness an authentic, genuine, hallmarked sensation in court. My lord, I am happy to say that our missing witness is here. 
I call Lord Peter Wimsey. What did I tell you? Here he is, too. Straight off the aeroplane. I swear by my God that the evidence that I shall give this court shall be the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. I am Peter Deathbreeden Wimsey. I live at 110A Piccadilly. In consequence of what I read... You may sit down if you are fatigued. Thank you, my lord. I prefer to stand. In consequence of what I read on that bit of blotting paper, which I now identify, I went to Paris to look for a certain lady, Mademoiselle Simone von der Rauer. I found she had left Paris in company with a man named Van Humperdinck. I followed her and at length found her in New York. She very kindly agreed to let me have the letter which Captain Cathcart wrote to her on the night of his death. <laughs> I produced that letter with Mademoiselle von der Rauer's signature on the corner so that it can be identified. I'm sorry I've given you such short notice, Wiggy, old man. We came as quick as we could, but we had to come down near Whitehaven with engine trouble. Had we come down half a mile sooner, I shouldn't be here at all. <laughs> <laughs> we can't have this disturbance. No, your lordships are witnesses that I have never seen this letter before. I have no idea of its contents, yet so positive am I that it cannot but assist my noble client's case that I am willing, nay, eager, to put in this document as it can. Hello, is that the evening banner? Benson here. Give me the news desk. It's me, Benson. Yes, 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 sir. I know. I'll go back to the laws in a minute. Listen, old boy. The dead man, Captain Cathcart, wrote a letter to his mistress, Simone, something or other, that he'd had enough and was going to do away with himself because she'd left him for a millionaire. Verbatim? You must be joking. It's in French. Well, Wright has taken it down in English, of course. They've sworn in an interpreter. You'll have it word for word, but what I've told you is good enough for stop press. Yes, I I'd better get back to the, the laws. I don't want to miss uh, speech. Oh, uh, s send a couple of photographers, will you? Uh, Righto. My lord, I need not put before you the shocking shift to which Captain Cathcart, the soldier and gentleman, unhappily descended. In that pathetic farewell letter to his mistress, which we have heard read, Nothing is more touching than Captain Cathcart's confession. I knew you could not but be unfaithful to me. And later he writes, I actually brought myself to consider keeping my mistress on my wife's money. At this critical moment, Mr. Doyle saw the prospect of a modest position which would enable him to maintain a wife. Lady Mary, who is becoming more and more uneasy about her engagement to Captain Cathcart, makes her choice. She consents to elope with Mr. Goyles, and by an extraordinary fatality, the day and hour selected are 3 a.m. on the morning of Thursday, October the 14th. My lords, on Wednesday night at about 9.30 p.m., the manservant Fleming came up from the village with the evening post. To the Duke of Denver, he brought a letter with news which was both startling and unpleasant. To Captain Cathcart, he brought a letter the contents of which are easy to guess. While Lady Mary was packing her suitcase that night, Captain Cathcart signs his name, takes up the revolver, and hurries out into the garden. He bethinks him of the love token, the platinum and diamond cat which his mistress gave him for good luck. He will not die with that pressing on his heart. He hurls it far from him. He puts the pistol to his head. But something arrests him. No, no, not that. 
He sees in fancy his own hideously disfigured corpse, the shattered jaw, the burst eyeball, blood and brains horribly splashed about. No, no, not even in death can he bear the thought of looking so. Let the bullet go clean to the heart. He places the revolver against his breast, pulls the trigger, and drops to the sodden ground. Hours pass. Three o'clock. Eagle Ernest Boyles leaps the wall and comes hurrying through the shrubbery to greet Lady Mary, his bride-to-be. He reaches the conservatory door and stumbles across the, the dead body of a man. He hears a distant footstep. Fear possesses him with but one idea, escape from this horror of horrors. He dashes into the shrubbery just as the Duke of Denver comes up the path to the house to find the dead body and to meet Lady Mary. The rest is clear. Lady Mary, forced into suspecting Mr. Goyles of murder, undertakes with courage to conceal that he was ever upon the scene. Of this ill-considered action of hers came much mystery and perplexity. Yet, my lords, while chivalry holds its own, not one amongst us will breathe one word of blame against that gallant lady. I think, my lords, that there is nothing more for me to say. To you I leave the solemn and joyful task of freeing the noble peer, your companion, from this unjust charge. When the clerk of this house shall address to you severally the solemn question, do you find Gerald, Duke of Denver, Viscount St. George, guilty or not guilty of the dreadful crime of murder? Every one of you may, with confidence, lay his hand upon his heart and say, not guilty upon my honour. Your bacon and eggs, sir, and four rolls, was it? Ah, uh, yes, thank you. I'm starving. <laughs> well, Parker Bird, hope you didn't mind my hauling you out of the Lords. Oh, glad to escape listening to the learned Attorney General. Did you know you'd arrived just in time? Sir Impey was about to call Mrs. Grimethorpe. Mrs. Grimethorpe? Where is she? Probably still waiting in the side room. What for? To give evidence. Her husband will kill her. Yeah, well, we've been requested to give her police protection, but I can't see us doing it for the rest of her life. <laughs> I don't think we'll be short of volunteers. Jews mm. attractive woman. Quite unsophisticated, of course. Uh, not really my style. Oh, you favour the more worldly type, do you, Peter? Yes, rather. <laughs> Poor old Cathcart's mistress. Now, she was a woman and a half. Oh, that big, was she? No, not at all. Quite petite, actually. <laughs> I'm surprised you found time to notice. I know, it's worrying that. Must be getting more susceptible in my old age. Oh, say, are we coming up? My lord, my lord, it's all right. His grace is acquitted unanimously. Oh, hang, will you God. please come over, my lord? Yes, yes, of course, Bunter. I say, hang on. What's the suitcase for, O'Lara? Are we going away? I think you've done enough travelling, my lord. It's his grace's robes. I thought he might like to put them on to walk out of the house in. I felt he looked so uh, uh, vulnerable in his blue serge suit amongst all the other peers <laughs> with their scarlet robes. May I suggest, my lord, we go across before the peers emerge, if I may say so? Right, right, Bunter. Will you pay the waitress, Parker Bird? Gladly. Yeah, you'd better hurry. They are coming out. And there's Mrs. Grimethorpe all on her own. There she is, and there's a bearded man that... He's got a gun. Look, Joe, it's her monster of a husband. Look, he's struggling with three policemen. The Duke's going towards them. Look, here, Jerry, look out! Jerry! Ah! 
He fired at me. Oh, God, I, I, I couldn't help it. Here, come to me. Sir, I am Lord Peter Wimsey, and I know this man. What? He has a grudge against my brother in connection with the poaching matter up in Yorkshire. He's dead now. Knocked down by the taxi. Oh, I couldn't help it. He just ran straight across just in front of my bullet. If you're making the report, Constable... I am, Lord Peter. I am. Well, tell the coroner that I can give him all the information. Very good, my lord. Uh, oh, here you are, Charles. Will you look after Mrs. Grimethorpe for me? Oh, yes, yes, of course. We'll wait for you. Come, this way, Mrs. Grimethorpe, won't you? Gerald, old lad. You're looking fit, I must say. Excuse me, Your Grace. Allow me to offer my respectful congratulations. Bunter! Great Scott, the man's gone mad. Bunter! There's a north wind, Your Grace. Your robes, if I may suggest, will give you a certain amount of protection. Go on, sir. Come dear. There's a photographer coming. Uh, Peter, old man, and thanks and all that, you know. That's all right, Jerry. Very jolly trip. Right. Come on. Shake hands. Put your car on it straight and we'll be on all the front pages. I'll get into the car. I'll be with the reporters. Well... Do you want the story, chaps? I'll give it to you now. Is this Piccadilly Circus? Yes, it is, actually. Oh. You've been marvelous. I don't know how to thank you. That's all right, my lord. What are your plans for the future? I, I may go back to my own people in Cornwall, but I I'm not sure. I, I must have time to think. Yes, of course. I wonder, could I buy my blacks in London? Your blacks? I shall have to get some for the funeral. Ah, yes. Yes, I think that would be a very good idea. I have money. I took it from my husband's desk. It's mine now, I suppose. Not that I wish to be beholden to him. I shouldn't think twice about it if I were you. Hey, you. What are you doing up there? Yeah? Hello. <laughs> it's old Sug. My dear old fellow, Inspector Sug. <laughs> Do you know where I am? When in doubt, always ask a policeman. Yes. Why? It ain't no Peter. Yes, uh, better be getting oh. home, my lord. Yeah, no, no, I couldn't do that, old lad. Not without good old Freddy. Never desert a friend. I wouldn't desert Freddy, not for all the rice in China. <laughs> Besides, there's dear old Parker. Hmm. Mr. Parker? Where? Sleeping. He's sleeping, old lad, tucked up beside the statue of Lord Thompson. <laughs> now, don't wake him. Don't wake him. That's unkind. <laughs> Parker never gets up until the alarm goes, you know. <laughs> How disgraceful. And I shall write to the Times about it. Your cream may Hello! Pardon? Hello! <laughs> it's Freddy. Jolly, holly, old Freddy. Dear old son, let's all go home together. Here, here you are, my lord. In you go. Thank you, thank you. Oh, oh, thank you. Hold the taxi, dear Sarge. It's rolling about. Yeah, well, my lord, hold on to me. Yeah, thank you, Sarge. Uh, you must have the next dance with Parker. Well, he's been a wallflower all evening. 110A Piccadilly driver. Uh, take care of him. Lord, yeah, uh, take this. Snark likely, Inspector. Have you please to help? Lord, I reckon his lordship is entitled to a bit of a celebration. Come on, Charles. <laughs> we're waiting for you. Yeah, coming. Well, come on, then. Room in the back. Yes, plenty. We're the three musketeers. <laughs> <laughs> Good night, gentlemen. Nighty night, Suggykin. 
Thank God there weren't no witnesses. In that, the last episode of Clouds of Witness, the parts were played as follows. Lord Peter Whimsey, Ian Carmichael, Bunter, Peter Jones, the Duke of Denver, James Villiers, Lady Mary Whimsey, Mariah Aitken, Inspector Parker, Gabriel Wolfe, Sir Impey Biggs, Brian Olton, Merbles, Malcolm Hayes, Mrs. Grimethorpe, Elizabeth Proud, Freddie Arbuthnot, Nigel Lambert, Simon, Bridget McConnell, Madame Brigitte, Joe Manning-Wilson, Benson, John Forrest, Sug, John Bull, and other parts were played by members of the cast. The speech for the defence was adapted by Peter Jones and Tiny Leaven from the book Clouds of Witness by Dorothy L. Sayers. The programme was produced by Simon Brett.